Ah, thank you, Beatles, for getting us started today. You know, it's interesting, 1965, John Lennon uh, wrote that song, and to quote um, from him himself, he said these words. He said, you know, the Beatles were just taking off in 1965, and all of this rise to fame and success, quote, I was fat and depressed, and I was crying out for help, end of quote when he wrote uh, those words in 1965. Well, that's the theme of our next six weeks of studying God's Word. We're going to look at what it means to cry out for help, and get this, and to be able to find help, help in every facet of our lives, our spiritual lives, emotional lives, our family lives. And next week, we're going to share a message with you on help for our physical, uh, physical lives, our physical bodies. So, We're really excited about this series, and I'm so glad that you're here today. And again, I'm just so grateful to God for those four that follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Uh, What a great way to begin our worship service today. And and, and while while we're up here, let me just do something that I'm thinking about doing. I want to pray some more. Is that all right with y'all? I just really sense when God wants to bless a church and when He wants to speak profoundly, He'll draw us to to a time of prayer. I know. Uh, for certain that there are many needs uh, in our congregation, in our, in our family uh, that I have been praying for. I know many of you have had some, some difficult days over the last few days, and you know who you are. And I just want you to know you're not alone. People love you. People care for you. And we're going to be praying for you uh, right now. In fact, I want to ask you if you would, just bow your heads and, and close your eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if you're here today, And you'd say, Pastor, I'm one of those that just needs a special touch from God today. I've had a a tough week. I've had a tough year. 2016 is starting off in a very difficult way, and I just just need some help. Would you just stand right where you are? Everybody else, our eyes are closed, you know, our heads are bowed, but maybe you're just crying out to God and saying, God, I need a special touch from you. I need you to help me. I need you to help my family. I need you to help my marriage. I need you to help my my finances, God, my job, my home. Would you stand and let, let me just pray for you as we get started. Father, thank you for these that are standing. Thank you for the power of prayer, God, that you hear us when we call out to you, that you're not some far-off galaxy deity who could care less about us, but God, you care very much for us. You sent your only Son to walk among us and live among us and to provide the ultimate lifeline and help. And so we are calling out to you, God, today that you would bless, you would encourage, you would minister healing and hope and encouragement and faith. Now may the God of hope, may He fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to those of us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, Ephesians 1.19, I pray those scriptures over you today, my friend, and God would bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to get started with this series of messages on how to have a rock-solid foundation. Thank you, Bud Bruner, for building our set. And you see up here, this is a, this is a house. And uh, we've got a couch and some nice lamps. We even had a window over here. But right in the middle of it are the words H-E-L-P. And so the first place I want to go is to the Scriptures, to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading beginning in verse uh, 24 through verse 29. 
Let me give you just a little summary as to what is going on in Matthew chapter 7. The famous, the most famous message ever preached was called the Sermon on the Mount, and it was delivered by none other than Christ Himself. When He walked upon this earth, thousands of people gathered to Him. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, He preaches this sermon on the Mount. And you remember chapter 5, verse 3, when He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about, I mean, He says some strong things like, if, you, if you're angry with your brother, I mean, it's just like you've, you've murdered your brother. If you lust after a woman in your heart, you, you've already committed adultery uh, in your heart. And that's just Matthew chapter 5. And then Matthew chapter 6, He talks about how to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. And He teaches us how to pray. And then Matthew chapter 6, He also talks about worry. Did you know Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talked more about worry and anxiety than any other subject in chapters 5, 6, and 7. I thought that was pretty fascinating. He's saying, do not worry about your life, but seek first, anybody? The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And that's just chapter 6. Then you come to chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, it's like the Lord, He just, he just draws the people in and He says, listen to me carefully. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, enters heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, he's the one, she's the one that goes to heaven. Those who practice lawlessness, those who habitually, ongoingly practice lawlessness and do those things that are displeasing to God, they're, they're not going to go to heaven. So therefore, this is what he says. You, you know, whenever the Bible says therefore, you need to ask what it's there for, and, and therefore, has to do with chapters 5, 6, and all the way to this point. And he culminates, he climaxes the Sermon on the Mount with these final words. And listen carefully. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came. And the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? For it was founded on the rock, Jesus said. But then conversely, <clears throat> on the other hand, Jesus said, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and he does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now notice the same rain, the same floods. The same wind that pummeled and penetrated the one house on the solid rock are also the same winds and rain and storm that blows across this house, and it fell. And Jesus said, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at His teachings. And for He taught them as one having authority and not <clears throat> as the scribes. Jesus Christ said, I am the Son of God. I've come from heaven itself, and I'm here to tell you, if you will follow me and listen carefully to me and actuate and put into practice the things that I'm telling you, your marriage, your life, your family, your finances, even your eternity will be blessed because, you see, you will be firmly planted 
on a rock-solid foundation, and that foundation is me. Conversely, if you disobey and you dismiss and you just say, well, you're just another guy, another prophet, priest, preacher, whatever, you're just one among many, and I, I, you know, I don't necessarily have to do what you tell me to do, then Jesus says, let it be known, and I warn you that you will fall, and great will be your fall. We all know the importance of foundations. I mean, goodness, you don't have to work at Home Depot and Lowe's to know that you are to measure twice and, and cut once. And you don't have to be a general contractor to know that a foundation is absolutely paramount. It's the most important part of the edifice of the building, and Jesus' words are so timely. I mean, they knew it back then. We've known it through two millennia. We know it today that a foundation is an anchor. You know, speaking of anchors, Jason Mann told me this at lunch a couple weeks ago, and I have not forgotten it because I thought it very fascinating. He has a ministry called Ascend Outdoor Ministries, and he takes people out on these trips, and they go out and they climb hills and mountains, and they rappel off of those mountains and so forth. And he says, you know, it's very important to build an anchor because when you anchor in that rock, everybody else's life is going to be dependent upon it. And I was listening because I'm thinking, my life is going to be dependent on because in a few months in June, my son Leighton and I are going to go with Jason. By the way, if you're a dad and got some sons, why don't you go with us? It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to be camping out. We're going to be rappelling off of mountain. You ever rappelled off a mountain? That scares the jibbies out of me. I can't imagine coming off of a mountain. Let me just demonstrate for you. This is what you do. You, you hold on, and there's none of this down here, but you are totally dependent upon the anchor. And if the anchor holds, then you live. But if it gives way, then you fall, all right? And Jesus said, I'm that anchor. I'm that rock-solid foundation upon which you can build your life. In fact, Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So here's what I want to do this morning. It's going to be very practical, very praxis-oriented, because I want to look at the text and share with you how Jesus Christ is the firm foundation. I want to share with you, secondly, if we neglect Him, then we're going to build a very shaky foundation. And then thirdly and finally, I can't wait to tell you this good news. It's not too late. It's not too late. If you are constructing out of, you know, wood and hay and stubble, and your foundation is very rocky, is shaky, I mean, it's, it's just kind of teetering on whether you're going to make it or not, I've got some wonderful news for you today. Listen to this good news. It's not too late. You're here. You're alive. There is breath emanating out of your lungs, and God has you here today to say, I love you. I want you. I'm going to help you. Just listen very carefully. For what is about to be shared. Okay, so point number one. If you don't move the mountains, oh, I like that song. Okay, number one, Jesus is the solid rock upon which you can build your life. Do you see that? It's very crystal clear. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, Jesus is amazing. He's so kind and gracious to tell us these truths, to say, if we hear and obey, 
and we do what He asks us to do, then we will have this indefatigable, we will have this indestructible foundation upon which we can build our, our lives. You know, I heard somebody say one time, at first I was like, man, that's, that's kind of interesting, and I began to parse it and dissect it, and, and I actually agree with it when the person said, you know, living the Christian life is not easy, it's impossible. There's a lot of truth to that. Living the Christian life, it's, it's not easy. It's actually impossible if you try to go it on your own, if you try to neglect the basic axioms of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you got to, man, you got to pray, you got to read the Word, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you neglect that, then you, then you don't have a chance. But if you listen to Him, oh, goodness, goodness, listen to this. There's somebody here today, your life is about to change. You're about to be so blessed. You are sick and tired of being sick and tired. It seems like everything you touch, it don't turn to gold, it turns to mush. It turns to rust. It seems like everything you try to invest in, there is no good return. It seems like every job you try to get, it just kind of falls apart. Every relationship you try to get in, it just kind of dismantles and disintegrates. Mm, I'm telling you, I'm so glad today that there's somebody here that's listening, and you're about, mm, you're about to plant your feet firmly on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You're about to start submitting your will to His will, and oh, man, just watch what God's about to do in your life. It's going to be good. You can come to me later. It's okay. And you can say, man, thank you. I, I tell you, I praise the Lord that it's so simple, but since I've committed myself to Jesus, He just keeps on blessing me. Speaking of blessings, I told you I was going to be very practical. We have a, man, we just got a whole church full of, we got some great people in our church. Uh, and I'm going to share with you a couple of families, and they had no idea I was going to talk about them. I guess I'm going to ask for permission. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm going to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Man, I'm out of breath. I need a drink. Hold on. Water. It's just water, okay? <laughs> I ran my little 26-mile marathon last week. About killed your pastor. So we did it. But we're here. Amen. Oh, knees, legs. All right. So last, last year, Matt and Deborah Worrell said, hey, we're building us a new house out in the Bee Cave area, Hamilton Pool Road, and, and Pastor, would you come and would you pray over our home as we build it, because we want to dedicate it to Jesus, and w would you come out and just pray over our house? And I said, absolutely. So we played golf. and. Uh, Shot one of my best rounds ever. I don't know. I need to pray over people's homes more often. You know what I'm saying? I mean, shot 70-something. That just don't happen. I mean, that wasn't on the front nine either, brother, sister. That's the whole thing, 18. And so afterward, I was so excited. We, we drove out into his acres, got about eight acres of land out there, and we came up on this just oasis of a place, and all I could see was concrete, cement, things jutting up, jettisoning out of the concrete, and there was this large rock-solid, granite-looking anybody? foundation. Now, Matt owns Patriot Builders. He'll, he'll tell you that if you don't get this right, then everything you put on top of it, it's, it's not going to be good. So here's what we did. See, Matt and Deborah, and Ryder and Remington and Savannah, we, we all gathered around, held hands. We prayed over the house. 
Praise God for a man who loves his family, and he, he loves Jesus. He has the wherewithal, the initiative to say, preacher, come pray over this house, because as solid as this is, it's nothing compared to being built on Jesus and Him alone. Pray for us, and I did. Let, let me give you another one. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, I'll give you another example. We got some, we got some Indians in the house. I'm going to tell you, God has blessed us with some Indian folk, Indian family. If you are Indian, that's your nationality, would you stand? Let me just see you for just a minute. I want to I show our church this. Are y'all here, Indians, people? Bless y'all. Amen. They're everywhere. All right? Good, good. By the way, I just love being y'all's pastor. You never complain about anything. It's amazing. You love the Word of God. You study. You, it's, you're, just, you're just a blessing. And then there's the rest of them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, okay, hold on. Dr. Sam. I don't know if Sam's here or not. Uh, dentist, New York City, moved here. And uh, Ruah, his wife, came. Two beautiful, precious daughters. And Ruah, she texted me. She said, Pastor, we want you to come, you and Miss Ashley. We need you to pray over our home. We're buying our first home, and this is very important to us. So in, in a couple of weeks, we want you to come. And that was two weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon. It was Super Bowl Sunday. I must love them to go do that, not watch the Super Bowl. Anyhow, that's what you got DVR for, amen? So we're taping the Super Bowl, and we walk in this home, and there's shoes everywhere on the porch. That's an Indian house. All right, you take your shoes off. I love it. And we walk in, and a lot of Indian families are there. And somebody said, Pastor, all these families go to Great Hills. And I said, I recognize some, some I didn't recognize. Man, we had a worship service. We preached and prayed and we sang, and it, it was awesome. And Dr. Sam came up to me. And I'll never forget. And I was like, well, Sam, how do, you, how do you like your new house? How do you like living here? He goes, oh, Pastor, we don't sleep in the house until Pastor comes and prays. Wow. We're not sleeping in here until you pray. I said, well, let me pray so y'all can get your beds out and get, get in here and get living in here. And I thought, man, he got it. He gets it. A man of God leading his, his home to say, we want to start it in the right way. We want to dedicate these walls to Jesus Christ, and we want you to come and, and pray. That's just a couple examples, and I could give thousands of examples of what some of our people are doing to help build on this solid foundation of Jesus. And I just can't help but commend you and say, way to go. Now, I got to mention something to you in verse 24 before I go to point two. Jesus did not say, whoever contemplates, ruminates, cogitates, or thinks on. He didn't say that. He didn't say, whoever cerebrally and with their mental faculties and acuities, they, they ponder and think long on my teachings. He did not say that. He said just the opposite. He said, whoever does them, whoever obeys. Let me read this in my notes here. The road to good intentions leads nowhere. But the one who obeys Jesus Christ and seeks to live for Him is on the path of eternal life. Let me encourage you with that, okay? Bless you and encourage you with that. Okay, can I give you all some bad news before I can give you some more good news? So, I don't know. What, what's the bad news? Well, I'm a, I'm a bad news preacher. 
Because when the Bible has bad news, then I've, I share bad news. And when the Bible talks good news, then I want to talk good news. I just want to be obedient to the sacred Scriptures. And here's the thing I'm finding out, I have found out after many years of preaching, that if you never talk about the tough and the bad and the sin, you'll never really know how good the good is, okay? So let's talk about the bad. Jesus said, point number two, ignoring the teachings of Jesus is building on a shaky foundation. The same rain and floods and the wind, they come, they blow across this home, and it topples, it teeters, it wafts in the wind, and it crashes. And I, I was just reading this again yesterday, and I, I never had seen this before when Jesus said, and the fall was great. The fall was great. Listen, you ever seen somebody's life destroyed? You ever seen, you ever seen what divorce does to a family? I have. Man, I've seen it. I've lived it. You ever seen what alcoholism does to a home, how it, how it devastates it? You, you ever seen what, what sin and pain and destruction? You, 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 ever, you ever lived that? I have. I've seen it. And I can see why Jesus would say it's, it's so great when the house falls. And the reason it falls is because we neglect, we ignore, we disobey, we jettison, we put aside the very life and teachings that will enable us to live a solid foundation. And Jesus is just, He's just speaking truth with us. And this is sad because it is sad when you, man, I had a preacher say one time, he said, you ever thought to yourself how the lost and people that don't know Jesus, you ever thought about how they make it? Then he said, they don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't make it. They just go from maybe one little pleasure to the next, but there's no really everlasting joy and peace. And I just think about some of my neighbors this week. Man, I live in a typical Austin neighborhood, 90 plus percent, don't go to church, not interested in going to church. And I, I just talk to them. I just, Mike, I just love all of them. I try to encourage them. I'm about to go to the hospital here in a few minutes after our church at Great Hills. I want to go see one of my neighbors. The little baby's sick, and I'm just like, Anybody with me? Anybody else feel this hurt, this pain? Man, you want them to know Jesus, and you, you want them to be on a solid rock because the wind is a-coming. The rains are going to, they're going to pummel us from the skies. The prevailing winds will sweep across our otherwise tranquil souls, and our foundation will be laid, it'll be laid open to the elements. And if we're built on Christ, we stand, and if we don't, man, we, we fall, and so many people fall in my heart. It just breaks for, it breaks for them. I was watching, um, you give me that tissue, Brother Michael, right in front of you there. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. I was, let me get a couple here. Let me turn this off because you do not want to hear this. You know, Monty Williams is watching him in the funeral of his wife this last week. Assistant coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And 
man of faith, a man of God, his wife Ingrid, 44 years of age, driving. Here comes a lady going the wrong way, 52 years of age, hits, and they both die. 52-year-old woman dies, and Ingrid Williams dies. And they have the funeral service this past week, and LeBron James, I mean, Pop, Popovich from San Antonio, I think Tim Duncan, I mean, they had people from all over the NBA literally said, we're going to make it late to our games. We don't care because we love Monty, we love his family, and we're going to the funeral. And it was packed, and he stood up. And I don't know how he, I don't know how he does this except for the Lord. But he said these words. He said, he had a picture of his wife, their children, had five kids, 44 years of age, died in a moment. And he said, in our home, we have a Bible verse that says, as for me and my house, anybody? We will serve the Lord. And he says, you know, it's just not befitting for a Christian to have unforgiveness in their heart. And he says, I want you all to know, I, I forgive the Donaldson family. They've lost a loved one. They've had a loved one die. And I just want you all to know, I have no bitterness toward that lady who took the life of my wife. In fact, I have no bitterness at all. Because it reminds us again, this is, my, this is Monty Williams talking now, in the funeral. He reminds us again how precious life is, and he says, and by the way, what's important in life and what Jesus did on the cross is what's important in life. That's what he said. Afterward, LeBron James was tweeting going, man, that was, that was amazing. And, and people were like, how do, how do you do that? How do you stand up there and and speak, and not just absolutely fall apart. Can I tell you why? He's built on the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. It's firm. The foundation is strong. Some of you are saying, but is it too late for me? I, I've made so many mistakes, and I've neglected God, and man, I've inherited what I deserve. But is there any way that I could maybe engage in foundation reparation? Could I repair my foundation? Is it too late? Man, praise God, it's not too late. And so I want to give you some help, okay? I want to encourage you as I close this message with some additives, with some Christian additives that you can put into your foundation that will help you build a solid one. Thank you, Daniel, for the book Hope Quotient. This book is absolutely blessing my life. It's written by a pastor by the name of Ray Johnston. And I really encourage you to read it. If it does a tenth for you what it's done for me, you will be absolutely blessed. He pastors a church out in Sacramento. He's a dad, married to his wife, about 30 years, have four kids. And he's writing a section in his book and I actually wrote, wrote it down. I thought this was, was kind of interesting. The title of this section is, Hope Needs a Solid Foundation. That's the subtitle. Hope Needs a Solid Foundation. He tells a true story about the Chase Manhattan Bank decades ago when the architects and the contractors, when they were building the Chase Manhattan Bank in beautiful Manhattan, New York. They got halfway through the 66-story project, okay, true story, halfway through building it, and the builders saw something 
that they were aghast. They were absolutely devastated. They said, we have some terrible news. All along, we thought we were building on a rock, but we have been building on quicksand. And it's just a matter of time that everything that we have built, and surely if we build anything else on the top of it, it's just a matter of time that it will teeter, it will falter, and it will fall, it will crash and be destroyed. Man, they were panicking. They're like, what are we going to do? So they called in the experts. They called in some geologists, and the geologists said, listen, y'all made a big mistake. And they're like, well, thank you. We, We realize that. They said, listen, it will take decades for that quicksand to congeal and to form into solidarity. They brought in some engineers, and they looked at ways that they could sink, you know, these pilings and these, you know, buttresses, and somehow how could they sink it deep? And they're like, well, that's, that's not going to work. And then somebody came up with this ingenious idea. They said, I know something that might work. If you'll take sodium silicate and calcium chloride, and if you will pour that compound, that mixture, into the quicksand itself, I believe that it will congeal and it will form a rock. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. I mean, who would have ever thought, I mean, there are some brilliant people in this world. Sodium, I don't even know what sodium silicate is and chloride, calcium, what is that? They said, yeah, if you pour it in there, and sure enough, the quicksand became sandstone, and they finished it. And you go to Manhattan today, and there it is, all in its glory, 66 stories, but there's a story behind the story. It took some additives to make it strong. Let me give you some additives. Let me give you some Christian blessings that if you will pour into your foundation, man, you think sodium and calcium is strong. Wait till you apply this. All right, you ready? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. 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 Okay. Number one. You have to know the King. You got to know Jesus. The person who said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, who is that person? You say, oh, yeah, I know what you're about to say. You're about to say, you know, you got to give your life to God. I've heard all that before. Yeah, you have. But have you ever applied it? Have you ever said, like Tyler did last week, come down the aisle and say, man, I've been under conviction for two years, Brother Danny. And I'm coming today to give my life to Christ. And, you know, and I called him this week, said, you know, how would, how would you like me to disciple you? And he said, man, I'd love that. So we're going to start discipling Tyler. But here, here's another thing that's really cool. I said, Tyler, how would you like to get baptized? Now, a lot of times, it's funny. When you ask people that have had a pseudo conversion, and you know, they come down the aisle, you know, rah, 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 gave my heart to Jesus, yeah. Say, hey, you want to get baptized? Well, I don't know about that, brother. I don't know about that. Bapt- I don't know about baptism. I'm an adult, you know, and I don't know about baptism. You know, I was like, listen. I said, Tyler, what do you think about baptism? He said, absolutely. He says, man, let's do that. When, when can we do that? I said, Sunday. And we did that. To me, that says, he got it. Shazam. The light came on. You give your life to Christ. That is the very starting point, okay? Oh, I got four. I got four. Four more others. I thank you, Ryan. I'm, I'm, uh, here we go. Number two. Are you ready? Spend time every day in the Word of God. 
every day spend some time in the Scriptures. Dads, if I could talk to you for just a minute, take your wife by her hand. If you have children, gather them together, whether it's in the morning or at night. I don't care when you do it. I don't care how you do it. I don't care how long you do it. Take some time, just a few precious moments, and read the Word of God to your family. Somebody may ask, what in the world will reading an ancient manuscript do for my life? I mean, what will reading this ancient book, how will that impact my life, my health, my marriage, my emotions, my finances, my, my eternity? I mean, really, how? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is theonoustos. That Greek word means it's the very breath of God. These 66 books of canonical Scripture Listen, guys, this is not some magic potion, whoopee-doopee kind of stuff. It's far more than that. I'm not talking about some magic. I'm talking about the very breath of God. Now, watch this. Oh, the Lord gave me this word. I can't wait to share it. i got to read it, though. Listen. When you read this book, the breath of God will blow upon your life, and you will notice a change you will notice a change for the better. You know, I, I, met, I meet with a group of pastors once a month in this Christ together, Greater Austin. And I'm the token Baptist. It's fun. I like, I like representing us Baptists there. And one of the guys, I'm going to share his story in a couple of weeks. When I preach a message called, Help, My Emotional Life is Out of Whack or Needs Help, I, I was looking at, at Pastor Ojeda Ojeda, and I was looking at his Bible. His Bible should look like this. His Bible looked like this. I'd never seen such a pitiful Bible. You with me? I mean, the pages were frayed and torn, and I was like, bless his heart. When he opens that, that thing's going to fall apart. And then I remembered what I heard somebody say one time. If your Bible looks like it's falling apart, you're probably not. <laughs> And then Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, if you can take your Bible and it has dust all over it, you can write the word condemned. <laughs> it's more than magic. It's not magic. It is the very breath of God. Read it. Memorize it. But don't just read it and memorize it. Listen, apply it to your life. Number three, almost done. Pray. Pray every day. Spend time with the Lord in His Word. If you have a family, pray with your family. I love praying with my wife. I tell you, I better get her early, 9.30. She's, she's gone. I mean, she can, just, she can lay her head down, and I can say, honey, and she's like, she's out. And I'm over there, man, I'm just looking at the ceiling. I'm reading. I'm, I, I just, anybody relate to that? Listen, just get a little older, all right? Just... She's, she's turning 50 this year. Maybe she can come into my club, you know, and just say. And so, but I reach over there before she goes to sleep. I said, can we pray? And my wife's like, absolutely. I'll tell you some of the most precious time. Daniel, you and Sharif helped me with this a lot. Daniel, he, he said in our small group last year, we were in a small accountability group together. He said, Sharif and I, we don't miss a day. And we pray 
with one another. He said, I don't care if I get up early and her and her red hair is all tangled up like this. She'll say, honey, I'm praying for you in Jesus' name. Bless him as he goes. That spoke to me. And so I want to pray. And I want you to pray for your life, for your wife, for your family. Spend time in prayer. Listen, ladies, it's going to blow your mind when your husband reaches over there and say, honey, it's not going to be very eloquent and it's not going to be that great and profound, but I'm just going to pray for you. Let me tell you something. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Man of God, reach over there and you pray with your, I know it's cliche, but it's true. The family and the couple that prays together, they really do stay together. I've yet to counsel or meet a couple that was destroyed by divorce when they prayed for one another every day. Number four, get into a Bible teaching church. Find you a church that preaches the Word of God, and then find you a group, whether it's a connect group, Sunday school, Bible life, small group, call it what you will. Get in it and be accountable to one another and grow with one another in your faith. And the last thing, stronger than sodium, more powerful than calcium, serve. Serve somebody. Pour your life out in service to others. I I tell you, the great epidemic in America today, America's culture today, is we want to be served instead of serve, and we are never at our best until we are serving and giving. I'm, I'm so thrilled about this love where you live, the art of neighboring. Some of you are hosting um, home studies in your, in your home, and Ross, that's awesome. I hope more of you will do it. But man, it's changed me. It's changed the way I'm living my life. I'm very much an introvert. I'm a recluse person that shocks people when they hear me preach. They think, man, you walk into a room, you're the life of the party. I'm a dud. I am a dud. I walk into a party and they're like, are you feeling okay? I'm just like, I'm happy by myself, you know. But when I preach, I know it's of God because it's not me. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes comes on me. Man, when I go home, open up my, what do you call that thing? It don't drive your car in it. Garage door. That's what it is. You open it. You go in and I close it. And I'm like, I'm chilling. I see people all day. I deal with stuff and issues and problems all the time. I'm just coming home. And I heard John Burke over here at Gateway. He said, don't do that. He said, I used to do that. But now I opened up my garage. I pull that in and I turn around and I look for my neighbors and I'm starting to do that. And it's awesome because our neighbors need us and they're real people and I love serving them. Even wash their garbage cans, amen? Find something to do. Serve, and watch what will happen. You know Jesus, reading the Word of God, you're praying, you're in community with one another, and you're serving, then all of a sudden you go, whoo, man, this feels good. I am standing on, somebody help me, the rock. Rock of ages, safe from all the storms that rages, rich, but not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. Y'all know that little song? You do now. Let's do it. Let's stand 
on the rock. Let me pray for you. We're going to have our invitation, and we're going to be dismissed. God bless you. Thank you, church family, for being here, guests and friends. Thank you so much. Let me pray for you. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song of praise to God, and we're going to invite you to come and let us pray and encourage you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the rock-solid foundation we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we love you today. We bless your name. We, we know, Lord, we are nothing apart from you. But with you and in you, we can do all things. So I, I ask you, Lord, as we start this sermon series, that we will start off on the right foot, and that is building a firm foundation. Lord, there are some that they need to, this very day, they got to just do this, Lord. They need to embrace you. And by faith say, Jesus, be the Lord, be the boss of my life. I've made a mess of it, but I'm giving you my life and my eternity. Come in, Lord God, save my life, save my marriage. Hey, let me tell you something, friend, He will. He will do miracles. Others of you today, you, you, you kind of got lax on your foundation reparation, and let me encourage you. Pray, man, pray with her. Pray with your spouse, your family. Pray with your friends. Share the gospel. Serve others. Read the Word of God. Be in community. Be in fellowship. Do those things. Christian additives, Christian bolstering, adding to that firm foundation. God, thank you for our time together. Bless our invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing a praise to the Lord? God bless you as you stand.